A warm welcome to everybody. My name is Aston and welcome to my channel. I'll be uploading a lot of ministry content, some preaching, some Christian apologetics, substance abuse recovery material, and some life coaching principles and strategies. So we are back at our sermon series, Growing as a Believer. Um, and we are looking at part four today. We are still in Peter, and from uh, Peter, um, this afternoon we'll move to the book of Acts, um, where there's actually something that I want us to look at in Acts that I, I might touch on briefly today. Um, but today's passage we are doing First Peter chapter number three, from verse eight to seventeen, um, and then I won't read the whole passage, but we'll collectively go through it. So uh, let's just start our devotion in prayer and then get straight into our passages. Father, we thank you for another day that we have by your grace and for your grace. Another day for us to love, to know you, Lord, and to make you known. Thank you, Lord, that all it is that we do today can bring glory, honor, and praise to your name. Thank you for the privilege that we have today, that we can gather together, that we can look at your inspiration, your word today, the inspiration of your word, and we can see how can it engage with us, um, encourage us, uplift us, rebuke us, build us up, tear us down. But your word needs to be fulfilled and accomplish all it needs to do in and through our lives. Let your word um, bear fruit in and through us that will not only be hearers of your word, but also doers of your word. We give you the glory, the honor, and all of the praise, Lord, for you are worthy to be praised and you are mighty to save. And we thank you that through you we find redemption and the remission of our sins through the sacrifice of Christ Jesus on the cross. And we thank you for this, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So, I remember a couple of weeks back, I, I, I spoke on something that was titled, um, Don't Skip Leg Day. <laughs> um, or I used an example that was, uh, Don't Skip Leg Day. And it is something that has, has been in my mind when we talk about growth. Uh, reason being we work on so many areas um, of our life, but then sometimes there's areas that we skip. But I want us to look at it like this. Don't run away from growth. Now, what do I mean by that? So sometimes the areas that needs the most work in our life um, are the areas that is most difficult. You'll find sometimes people are able to make it um, to a certain degree in life and they hit some sort of a plateau. Um, it just becomes flat thereafter. And then there's the questions of where do I go to from here? How do I grow from here? But oftentimes we normally avoid the things that are hard. Um, and that is why people say don't skip leg day because uh, apparently um, if you're a person that has ever worked out, you'll know that leg day apparently is the one. Like when you uh, work your legs, uh, you're shaking the whole day, you can't climb upstairs, um, your, your body's in pain and it makes you so uncomfortable. But that's the thing about muscle growth and mus muscle memory is that when muscle is stretched, it grows um, and you get to build from what has been stretched. But so many times we miss that areas of stretching the muscle when it comes to our spiritual life. Now there's some things that we see what uh, Peter shares in 1 Peter chapter 3 
And oftentimes when we read these things, I mean, let, let's be honest. Sometimes we don't go towards these things, but we run away from it. Or um, another one is sometimes we're not consistent in these things. Now, what do I mean by consistent? So, for an example, when we see um, in verse 8, it says, Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another, and be compassionate and humble. So, oftentimes we want to test and try and see, you know, who is the one another. So, obviously, uh, remember in the context is um, the audience is in exile. So, um, Peter's audience is... Um, like James, scattered abroad. They under persecution and they've uh, scattered abroad. They are like sojourners. They are, they are <coughs> believers that are living like foreigners. And that is because of their faith. It's not because of anything else. So, I mean, imagine if you had to leave the comfort of your own humble abode, your own living, because of the gospel. You know, oftentimes, we maybe choose the comfort over our own homes. And truth be told, some of the people even choose that on a Sunday. We can't even make it to church. What makes us think we can do things like as the Bible describes and as we'll see in a moment, suffer for doing good. No, we can't even suffer for doing good. You know? But that's what really separates the boys from the men. Is that we know what it's like to not run away from those areas that need growth in our life, but we know what it's like to uh, not skip leg day but actually endure it. But oftentimes we look at um, things like sympathetic and we're like, you know what, it's weak. And when you look at the example that uh, men give to other men and more so fathers to sons, fathers don't really show sympathy to their kids. It's like you're a man, you know, dust yourself off and carry on moving. And in reality, that's not actually the case. Um, there is a sort of emotion that a father can give to a son that a son actually needs. It doesn't take away from your masculinity as a man if you show affection, if you show love, if you show care. But it's actually masculine. It's an area of your life that needs growth and needs to be built. So, yes, these broad believers, um, both men and female, um, and he's saying this to them, he says, finally, all of you be like-minded. So, so have the same type of goal. Have the same type of uh, thing that causes your heart to beat. To beat. Be like-minded and sympathetic. So um, sometimes people confuse sympathy and empathy. Empathy is my ability to be able to engage with you, um, to relate to you. Um, I know what it's like. I've been there before. Um, I felt that way, have you? I can imagine what you're going through because I've been through that. That's empathy. It's, it's being able to relate to the emotions of somebody. But sympathy is being able to actually um, share the sufferings and the burdens with somebody in the present time. It's not just telling them, I know what it's like, but it's telling them, I'm so sorry that you have to go through this right now. So we normally see sympathy as something that is weak, like, you know, we don't, we don't pat people on the back, man up, own up, you know, move on. No, be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another and be compassionate and humble. Now, this is almost like the opposite of how the world is. 
You know, the world is so aggressive. The world has toxic masculinity. The world has, has um, the, the, the feminist movement. Everybody's concerned with the I factor, me, myself, and I. But that is not who God has made you to be. That is a, a delusion. And that is, that is rebellion from the identity of the person that you actually are. Society can't tell us who we are. Scripture tells us who we are. And here we're learning. Okay, um, the, the, the Paul's audience, um, Peter's audience needs to be like-minded, sympathetic, loving one another, compassionate, and humble. So it's like he's just, he's just adding on, on these ingredients. Now, these are the ingredients sometimes that we want to run away from. Are we compassionate to one another? Are we humble? Come on, come, let's, let's look at the world today. There's no humility in the world. There's pride. And people actually feed your pride. They, they want you to pursue self-centeredness. They want you to pursue your best life now. They want you to be the best you that you could possibly be. But the best you that you could possibly be is a sinner that is deserving of hell. That's the best you that you'll find. And we need God's grace to draw us away from that and show us what causes us to go to that place. And now we find the opposite. Now we find the, 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 the alternative. And here we're seeing, remember, this is not the standard. God is not saying through His Word that do these things and I will save you. God is saying, I need to save you because you can't do these things. But once I have saved you, you will start to have the ability to not skip leg day and not run away from your growth. You see, we don't, we don't do good things for salvation. But we do good things because of salvation. We need to be like-minded, sympathetic, loving one another, compassionate and humble. And how about this one? Listen to this verse 9. Not paying back evil for evil. So verse 8 we see being like-minded, sympathetic, loving one another, being compassionate and humble. And then verse 9 we see not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. Now, how many times if somebody says something to you, you want to respond? Now, I don't know about you, but say something to me and I'll probably respond quite fast. You know, um, I, I remember when growing up, teasing, and for, 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 for all those other listeners that are not familiar with our, our local lingo here in South Africa, um, what we call it, um, we, we have a, a phrase, a name, it's called Guara. So, if you tease me, and you must be able to tease, you know, you, you, you can't be in school and then people tease you and you don't know how to respond because um, you will just shy away. But oftentimes, that is what we are taught to do in society. When somebody insults you, when somebody says something about you, you pay back evil with evil. In other words, break my heart, I break yours. Break my finger, I break yours. Say something to me and I'm going to say it back to you. Take what's mine and I'll take what's yours. When, when people do us harm and do us wrong, we often want to respond in evil. Listen, when I drive in traffic and somebody's on me, it's like, yo, everything that is not biblical comes out in me. It's like, you know, this guy, if only, if he knew me just before I was saved. I, I always say this, when the Lord saved me, not only saved me, he saved him also. A taxi driver. Because why? There's this aggression. They call it road rage. But here comes the thing. How do we curb that? How do we change that? How do we stop that? How do we grow in areas that needs to be changed? 
changed. Well, here's one, verse 9. Not paying back evil for evil, or insult for insult. On the contrary, give a blessing. Listen to that. Give a blessing. So the world teaches us that we need to pay evil for evil. You need to be able to respond when somebody insults you. You know, oftentimes if, if somebody, um, somebody maybe pushes you whatever, and maybe with people, they are you just going to leave him to do that? To push you around? Now, the Bible's not saying we should leave people to push us around. No, the Bible is actually quite for self-defense, both Old Testament and New Testament. The Bible is for self-defense. But if somebody pushes me because they are at a difficult space in their life, and they are trying to find a punching bag to deal with their issues, me responding with an insult when that person insults me is not going to engage with the heart of somebody that is broken and needs um, engagement. It's just going to cause conflict. And truth be told, the better man knows how to do what Jesus taught us to do, to turn the other cheek. Now, was Jesus all about turning the other cheek? Well, Jesus was about turning the other cheek and turning tables over as well. And there's a time for turning tables over and there's a time for turning the other cheek. But the world wants us as Christians to respond to the way the world is. So why? People will say, can you see? They're still the same. He never changed. Nothing in his life has changed. And here comes the thing. When people have more evil to point out than good in our lives, they have an accusation against us. And we're going to see throughout the scriptures how that is not God's intent. We need to put to silent those that have an accusation against us by the way we do and the way we live our life. So we do these things for the sake of the gospel. We endure these things for the sake of the gospel. We become kind and compassionate because we remember that God was kind and compassionate to us when he forgave us of our sins and our trespasses. So what ought we to do? On the contrary, give a blessing. Since you were called for this, so that you may inherit a blessing. So God actually calls us for that. This is, this is, this is God's, so to say, command in His Scripture. This is, this is going God's way. You want to know what it looks like to go God's way? Here it comes. Give a blessing. Since you were called for this. Why? So that you may inherit a blessing. So we actually get the payment back for how we live. Verse 10. And now we start. Um, so, so, so in verses 9, that is actually an echo out from Ephesians. Because we see that Ephesians tells us that our blessing is not on this earth, but it's in the eternal. It's in Christ Jesus and it's in the heavenlies. So praise be to God who blessed us in Christ with all the spiritual blessings in the heavens. So we know that the blessing, the reward that we receive is not just for doing good, it's by grace through faith. God has given us that. And the way we know we have that inheritance in the heavens is that we do good. You see, sometimes people will, the minute you say, you see there's a blessing waiting for you in the heavens. So watch what you do with your life. And you're like, oh, I can achieve my blessing. No, you can't achieve your blessing. The way you do good affirms that you have the blessing. And let me say that again. The way you do good affirms that you have that blessing. So, which... In light of all that is being said, and as we're going through the verses, allow me to present to you the title for the sermon. So we know that it's part four of growing as a believer. But this is what we're going to be looking at in these verses. Live, love, and do good. Sounds awesome, eh? Live, love, 
and do good. So, verse 10, it says this, For the one who wants to love life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Well, now there's a build-up on this life that we need to live. If we want to love life, do you want to really enjoy life? Well, he actually echoes out something that James says. We need to keep our tongue from evil. Now, when you look at what Isaiah says, Isaiah actually says to us, Woe to me, for I am a man of unclean lips. And when you look at what James concludes, what James says, no man is able to, to tame the tongue, other than Jesus, of course. So we know that on our own ability, we can't tame the tongue. And we need God because why? The Bible teaches us our tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We bless God with it on a Sunday, but then we, we curse people that are made in the same image as God. Blessing and curses comes out of the same mouth. It shouldn't be that way, James says. But now that we are being sanctified, now that we have the conviction through the Holy Spirit and according to Scripture, what is the Scripture teaching us? Well, if you know you've got a loose tongue, you need to start watching it. If you know you just say things, you need to watch it. Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. So we're learning how to guard our lives. We're learning how to work on the areas that we are weak and that we normally avoid, like leg day. We're learning how to not run away from our growth. Verse 11. And let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. So what should we be doing turning away from evil? We shouldn't be speaking about evil and we should be turning away from evil. Now, that becomes so hard. And what makes this easier is when we have a local body of people. There's that, uh, the verse teaches us that the iron sharpens iron, so a person strengthens another. But something we need to keep in mind here is the audience is scattered. This is God's chosen people that are living as sojourners. They are living, living as foreigners in another country. Now, as they are there, they are not to succumb to the way the people around them live. But they have to live the way God has called them. Remember, when Jesus called the disciples who were sinners, Jesus didn't become a sinner with them. Jesus didn't all of a sudden become a tax collector because he chilled with Levi. No. Levi became Matthew. Matthew became a no longer a tax collector. But who, did, who is he? He becomes a disciple. So he changes when he encounters Jesus. Jesus doesn't become a sinner by calling sinners. So do we become like the people we're trying to engage with? Or should the people we're trying to engage with become more Christ-like? Verse 12. Because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. The worst, I hear people misquoting the Bible. They, they butcher the Bible. They butcher the text. They take it out of its context and they will say things like this. If God is for me, who can be against me? Okay? Now, 
truth be told, well, if you're doing evil, God is against you. And if you're a Christian, choosing evil, it's not to say that you are, are caught up in sins where you are weak in your life. No, as Christians, we all have that. Are we talking about a person that wakes up every single day with the motive and intention of evil? Guess who's against you? God. He's against those who are evil. But the face of the Lord is against those who do what is evil. But look at how he starts out, verse 12. He says, because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. So when we live righteous again, not because we are righteous, but because God has saved us by grace through faith. He makes us righteous. Listen to this. His eyes is on us. And here comes another one. And his ears are open to their prayers. Now, a Christian, and we will touch on this as well throughout the series, a Christian that doesn't grow in prayer. A Christian that fails in prayer, fails in everything. We avoid these things. It's difficult. We can binge Netflix, but we can't binge prayer. We can satisfy ourselves with all it is that we want, but we can't feed the poor. There's so many aspects of our lives that we're claiming to grow in. Are we really growing in these? These are the questions we need to ask ourselves because we don't want to skip leg day. There's a muscle group on our spiritual state that needs development. We can't run away from it. And here, verse 13. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? And this we're going to pick up when we go to Acts uh, chapter 4 from verses 18. Where we see Peter and John. And they are, they are arrested for their faith. And they, they, they are demanded that they should stop speaking about this name. So, so when you're around people, you should be speaking the whole time about the name of Jesus. You, you telling me that you are among sinners, people that you know would die and go to hell if they don't have Jesus. And people say, oh, well, we don't know who's going to heaven or to hell. No, we do know because the Bible tells us the righteous go to heaven, the sinners go to hell. That's why I, I, can, I can't understand when you attend a funeral of somebody that was not born again and you say, rest in peace. They don't rest in peace. There's judgment, there's condemnation, there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, there's eternal regret, remorse. They don't rest in peace, and one, they don't have no rest. Because the Bible says there's no rest for the wicked. There's no rest for the wicked. And there's no peace for them either. But what about us? Verse 11, let's rewind back. Let him turn away from evil and do what is good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Are we seekers of the peace of God? Coming back to verse 18. So, who then will harm you? Are we going to look in the book of Acts how they had this boldness that they weren't ready to back down when people said, you need to stop speaking in that name. And truth be told, they threatened them further. They threatened them further. If you don't stop, that's what it would sound like if you don't stop. Imagine if our government were to tell us, you can't have church on a Sunday. And if you don't, what are you going to do? Put me in jail? Like, like we see in the scriptures, others put into jail and God gets them out? What are you going to do? Take my possessions? 
Like we've already supposed to give it to the poor. What are you going to do? Kill me. Like you did Jesus and God raised him back from the dead. What can the world do against the believer? Nothing. Verse 13. Who then will harm you if you are devoted to what is good? If we are doing what is right and what is good in God's sight, who's going to harm us? Verse 14. But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. We want the, the blessings that people can see. But how many times when we see somebody suffering for doing what is right, do we say, oh, you, you, you are blessed, my brother. You are blessed, my sister. You see, there's that leg day. There's that muscle group that we don't want to talk about. We don't want to speak about it. We want to avoid it. Because why? When we suffer, it looks like we're weak. We don't want to be sympathetic. Who, who wants to show sympathy to people? I've heard people say this. You know, I don't like to sympathize with people because then it, it, it condones people being weak. Well, firstly, who said that that is weak? Because somebody is going through something, you assume that they are weak? Oh no, I like the others that are more positive. I want to, you know, positive vibes, Pastor. We need to give out our energy. Really? I, I don't see positive vibes in anything here. For what I do see is, but, if you, but even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. I see God says that we are blessed even when we work on that aspect of our lives that we don't want to. And here comes the truth. We avoid it because it makes us feel uncomfortable. We don't want to share our faith with people because of how they will treat us. But we are blessed when that happens. Remember in the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. Remember what we learn in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? Remember what we learn throughout Scripture? Blessed is he who is persecuted for my name's sake. Hello, it's a blessing. Do not fear what they fear or be intimidated. What the world is scared of, we're not scared of. I mean, think of it, the, 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 the height of the worst thing that could possibly happen to anybody is death. But we don't even fear that. Not for a believer. Like we say in South Africa and Afrikaans, not yet. We don't fear that. Why? We have an assurance of the salvation that we have. That if God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, surely he will raise us too. And here comes to my favorite verse, and this is where we find the word apologia, which is translated apologetics, which is translated the defense, or to defend. And this is where Christian apologetics is the verse. That if anybody says anything else in the Bible is Christian apologetics, or so it started there, they are lying. Because the word apologetics comes from those verses. Listen to this. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord is holy. So who is Jesus to us? He's Lord. Jesus Christ isn't just some man that came to walk on earth and done good things. He's not a prophet like Islam would just leave him to be. He's Lord. He's God. And he's the one that came to lay down his life for our sins. Our sins was imputed upon him. And because our sins was imputed Upon him, he died a death that you and I deserve. 
but He raises to a new life, giving us what we don't deserve. He takes what we deserve and He gives us what we don't deserve. We don't deserve the remission of our sin, but He gives it to us. We deserve death and He takes it from us. He's Lord. Jesus is Lord. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy. He's holy. And then here he comes, ready. So at any given time, be ready. At any time, to give a defense. Now that word defense, in the original, means apologia. Which is where we get apologetics from. It's the defense of the faith. Now the problem is, sometimes we want to defend our faith because we know better. We don't win arguments, we win people. When we do Christian apologetics, we're not in it to win an argument. I, I want to put that pastor to shame because I know how to use the Bible. It's not about that. It's about getting that pastor to realize that his rebellion from the context of Scripture is sinful and blasphemous. And I want to win that person over for them to become a true and faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. And it's nice doing that. And oftentimes we get caught up on defending the faith that we don't realize that we defend the faith to win the person. Now, how do we know that? Because this is what it, what it says. Um, ready at any given time to defend. So what are we to do? We have to defend. And at sometimes we are defending and it comes across aggressive. Now, it should be, but it shouldn't only be. So what I mean by that, at sometimes we're going to be fighting, we're going to be arguing, not physically, but the Bible tells us we're going to war. And, and the weapons of our warfare is spiritual, and it's not one another. So it's not the person I'm fighting, but it's the knowledge that the person has that I'm fighting. I'm fighting the mentality, the mindset of the world. So when I defend the faith, I'm not defending to hurt the individual. I'm defending to challenge the thinking, the thought processes of the individual. That's what we're doing. We're defending the faith. Why? To anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is within you. So if somebody asks me, hey, why do you believe in the cross? I'm ready to defend what I believe in. Because when I tell them why I believe in the cross, I'm probably going to end up with calling them to repentance. Telling them that I'm a sinner that has been saved by grace through faith. And they are too. And unless they turn from their sin and cling to the provision of God through the unction of the Holy Spirit, they're not going to rest in peace one day. Do you think people would like to hear that? They probably put you out of the house. They probably put you... Who do you we, we use the, the, the hippie Jesus. It's called hippie Jesus. Oh, Jesus loves you. He wants the best for you. He says, come to me. Come to Jesus. And in scripture, woe to you, is what Jesus says. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Hello? How are you using the vocabulary of scripture? People say, we mustn't let our, our, our faith offend people. Our faith is offensive. How do you mean? There's absolutely, there's no way we can avoid that. We can engage with the person. We can do uh, apologetics one-on-one with them. But at some point, it's going to offend them. It's going to hurt them. And if the person that is on the receptive end of receiving that offense, it causes them to question. 
We have to question because what we've been taught and the way the world is living is not the way. Why? We go back to verse 8. To verse eight. Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic. The world is opposed that. Love one another. The world is opposed that. Um, verse 9. Not paying back evil for evil. The world is opposed that. Insult for insult. The world is opposed that. What are we to do? Regard Jesus Christ as Lord, as holy, ready at any time to give a defense for anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you. And here comes verse 16. Yet with gentleness and respect. You see why I said it's not only fighting. So we're coming up against the thoughts of the person. For, for, for the weapons that we have are not flesh and blood, but are spiritual and used for what? Tearing down strongholds. What are those strongholds? The thoughts of the people. So we are in a battle and we're taking down those strongholds. So it's going to be challenging, but we're doing so with what? With gentleness and with respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who dis, uh, disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. In other words, people say, you know what, now? He was bold about what he believed in, but he was actually so loving and caring to me. For an example, before you tell somebody, rebuke somebody, you tell them, you know what, I mean this, and what I'm about to say is because of the love of Christ within me. But that, that thing that you said is completely in error. And I disagree with it, and I'm not disagreeing it because of my own accord. I'm disagreeing with it because it contradicts the scripture. And the Bible says anything that contradicts the scripture, and then we go at it. They're going to be hurt when you say that. They're going to be offended when you say that. But they're going to remember those words that you open. I say this because I love you. People will be hurt when we say the truth. It's like, it's like our parents when, when we didn't want to listen to them when we were younger. That friend, it's not good. My child, I love you. I don't, I don't want you to make mistakes. Then when we bump our head, we realize, oh, mommy and daddy wasn't a prophet. They could just see and acknowledge evil is evil and good is good. And they don't want you to be with evil. But if that's the standard that our family has for us, how much more God? Verse 17. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. Now it takes me back to my days before knowing Christ. So, what was the length of the things that we were willing to do to feed our addictions? We were willing to suffer for doing, good, for, for doing evil. We were willing to steal from our family. I mean, today we can't even fathom it. If, if we had to radically steal the way we did in the world, now, you would be in trouble. Imagine that pastor leaves his, his phone here and you grab it and you go. It's like obvious it's you. It's you the one that's gone. But we didn't think about that. When we, were, when we were in the world, why? We wanted to feed our evil desires, our self-centeredness. We were willing to suffer for evil. But how about this? How about people that are willing to suffer for other things that are self-centered? Come, I give you an example. Do you think it is easy to live a disciplined life for people that work out in gym? It's not easy. But they are willing to suffer. They are willing to change habits, Diets, they're willing to lift up everything. If you look at some of the videos of these guys, 
Some of them faint when they lift up these things. They want to wake up super early and run around. Run around the field early in the morning. The wicked, no, nobody's chasing you. You're just running because you want to lose. You're willing to suffer for your own self-centeredness because you're concerned about the way you look and you want people to be happy with that. No? They're willing to suffer. But are we willing to do that for God? Are we willing to wake up every single morning and spend, like people spend that time in the gym, spend that time with God in prayer, in devotion, in praise and worship, in doxology? Right? We'd be asking for too much. But listen, verse 17 again, for it is better to suffer for doing good if that would be God's will than for doing evil. You see, the audience that Peter is writing to would know what he's saying. Because they were suffering persecution. They were suffering loss. They were suffering hardship. They were suffering separation. But they had to do it for the sake of the gospel. We aren't even in a position where we are experiencing that suffering. And why we can't even devote an hour. If, if we have to go 15 minutes over the sermon on Sunday, you probably be wondering when is pastor going to be finished. We don't want to suffer for doing good. But if it was something giving us pleasure, if we were out in the club, and the club said we're going to close 15 minutes later, three more songs, you're number one on the dance floor. First on the dance floor, last on the dance floor. Now we suffer for evil. I won't do it for doing good. So, Throughout these passages, we see how to love, we see how to love, and we see how to do good. You see, life is not always going to allow things to go your way. But that is okay. Because God uses these hardships and these challenges to build us. Let's not skip and run away from our growth. About how we need to live, how we need to love, and how we need to do good. That is our growth. Let's not skip our leg day as believers. But let us work our spiritual muscles, our spiritual formation. And let us grow into true and faithful disciples. And then we'll pick it up in Acts chapter 4. Um, this afternoon we'll look at how do we share this faith that we have um, when being opposed Amen.